What is up, family? This is Dr. Dale's son, and you're listening to the Black Man and White Coach Podcast. Yeah, that's my little guy helping daddy out today, all right? What is up, fam? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Premium Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab a copy. And you're listening to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their story. Really excited about today's guest. But before I get into that, I want to make sure you guys remember to do a few things. Number one, subscribe. We need you guys to subscribe to the podcast if you're enjoying it. Hopefully you're sharing it with your friends. So subscribe, share, and also remember about the worksheets. So we post up the worksheets. So go to blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets. And we'll send you guys emails and remind you guys, hey, there's a new episode out. There's a worksheet out. Get the worksheets and give them to your students. Give them to your kids. So my little guy who you just heard, he does the worksheets. So it's a great opportunity for learning and for just kind of continued mentoring and exposure to the children. Also remember, the Black Men and White Coats Teen Summit is going to be taking place on February 16th, 2019. Black Men and White Coats Teen Summit. Learn more about it at blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash summit and register to be at that event. Right? We really want to see you guys there. Now, today's guest is a very special guest, and I say he's special because I have to salute him. He is a member of the Navy, Dr. Stephen Noble. He's a cardiothoracic surgeon, and as I mentioned, he's in the Navy. So when we talk about black men and white coats, there's already so few of us out in the civilian world, but let alone when you start talking about military, goodness gracious, I'm sure there's even far fewer. I know he's one of the few cardiothoracic surgeons um, who are black in the Navy. So Dr. Noble took the time to Talk to us about his journey. Talk to us about the ups and downs, the struggles. And one thing that I really like about his story is the fact that he had a sense as to what he wanted to do from early age. And that kind of goes to this whole idea of being able to have a vision in life and being able to follow your passions. So as you guys are listening to that, kind of pay attention to that story as to how he just followed his passion. He didn't quit. And he stuck with it. All right. A lot of great stuff to be learned from this episode. Check it out. My name is Dr. Stephen L. Noble. I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon uh, with the United States Navy. I've been in the United States Navy for uh, since 2002 when I took a scholarship in medical school. Uh, my history uh, or my past in medicine starts back when I was five years old. And I can remember uh, being at my grandparents' house and they had this encyclopedia that every time I came over there, I would just uh, flip through the uh, encyclopedia in one particular section. It had the human body in which I would just uh, for hours look at the transparency pages, flipping the skeletal system, then the nervous system, then the cardiovascular system and the lymphatic system. And I would just look at that thing over and over again. And it really sparked an interest uh, in myself as far as uh, the human body. And as a kid, I always wanted to know. Why did things work? Why was the human body the way that it was? Why did people get sick? Why did people die? Why did people get uh, illnesses? Why did they need surgery? And so uh, I always had a fascination with the human body. Um, and that always stuck with me. And so one of my earliest memories of, of being of wanting to go into medicine was really just trying to figure out the answers as to as to why things happened. Uh I eventually went on to uh, and read the book uh, Gift of Hands by uh, Dr. Ben Carson when I was in junior high school. And after reading that book, that just reaffirmed that I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. I just knew that I wanted to be a doctor. And by reading the book uh, Gift of Hands, it, it kind of showed me that I could do it. 
Um, I don't have any physicians in my family. Uh, my grandmother was a nurse um, in uh, at Oregon Health Science University working in uh, in the operating rooms uh, as well as on the cardiac uh, surgery floors. And then my other grandmother worked as a as a cafeteria worker up at the hospital. So I didn't have, um, you know, per se any, any physician mentors, uh, or at least family members that were, that were doctors. And so reading the book, Gifted Hands kind of showed to me that, you know, with, uh, faith and due diligence and putting in hard work that I too could, could make it. Uh, in high school, so I went on to, uh, uh, in junior high school, um, uh, and, uh, I would always tell my teachers, you know, what I wanted to do. And, you know, one of my first sort of, uh, issues that I had academically was, uh, I wanted to be in honors, honors math as an eighth grade student and, uh, or as a seventh grade student. And, you know, they didn't allow me to be in honors math. And, and my father, uh, really came to bat for me and told the school, Hey, look, um, my son's going to be in, in, uh, in honors math. And for my father to come up, uh, awful, you know, awful work and to come to my school and to really support me. Uh, really, uh, was a catalyst for me to really believe it in myself and knowing that, um, that I had the support, uh, of my parents. And, and that, that was, you know, a big moment for me. I didn't know back then, but it really gave me the drive and motivation and, and it put pressure on me because I, I knew that if my dad was coming up here and if my dad believed me, believed in me, um, I know that, uh, A, I could do it and B, I need to do it to show, to not only support my dad, but also to show the world that, look, you know, I can do it. Um, eventually, uh, I went on to, you know, to high school and in high school, I, I really enjoyed, uh, human anatomy and really biology. And I took, uh, I, you know, enjoyed dissecting, uh, cats. And so I, I remember, uh, being in high school and I was in a group of, uh, you know, four men, uh, three young ladies. And, you know, fortunately, uh, for me, they didn't like messing with the cat. So I got to dissect it all by myself. And I just remember, you know, being meticulous and, uh, making sure that the, the tissues didn't dry out. So I'd make sure that, you know, the cat would stay nice and wrapped and moist. And, you know, so every time I came back to dissect it, you know, I could see all the structures. And it really uh, reaffirmed my desire and passion to go into medicine because I felt like that five year old kid again, looking at the transparency pages, you know, flip them over. And now I had an actual, you know, dead, you know, cat. But, you know, it was it was something that it was tangible. I could actually touch it. And uh, during that time in high school as well, um, I, I had an American history teacher that really imparted to me the importance of planning and setting out you know, a five and 10 year plan. And in high school, I set out the, you know, the plan of what it would take for me to be a physician. And so I knew going to college was definitely something that I had to do. I was going to have to go to medical school. And so my 10 year plan in high school, uh, you know, had me, you know, being in medical school, uh, 10 years from, uh, 10 years from then, uh, you know, four years of college, another, uh, four years of, 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 uh, medical school. And so in, in 10 years, I, you know, had the plan of being a physician and, and, and doing residency. So, you know, planning and preparation, uh, was key. I was a big fan of, of a different world. Uh, and so, um, going to a HBCU, uh, was, uh, was important. And part of the thing that drove me to go to a historically black college university was going to the right one. And that was a uh, Xavier University in New Orleans. And, you know, I was already uh, teed up to to have a full ride scholarship to the University of Toledo and some other uh, universities. However, I got uh, a letter in the mail um, or like a uh, an advertisement in the mail 
about Xavier University being number one and putting blacks in the college. I mean, putting blacks in the medical school. And I had never heard of Xavier University in, in, uh, of Louisiana. And so, uh, I went down for a visit and, um, immediately fell in love. And, you know, it reaffirmed the fact of, you know, two things. One, if I wanted to go to medicine, uh, this is the place to be because it was number one, putting blacks in the medical school. And two, it was an experience, you know, like no other that I had experienced before in my life as far as, um, you know, being around, uh, being around other, uh, black individuals that were really trying to strive for the best and to have that collective thought of, you know, uh, improving, you know, your situation or, you know, going on to, to achieve your, your dreams. So I went on to, to college at Xavier university in New Orleans, Louisiana, but, you know, during that time, um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, had some, had some struggles, enjoyed college a little bit too much. And, and because of that, uh, you know, I struggled with, uh, the MCAT and my GPA wasn't as, as, as tight as it needed to be to get into medical school. But I had the dream of, of, you know, being a physician, um, you know, and, and, you know, really trying to achieve that, that dream and that goal. Um, you know, I, I realized that to get there wasn't going to be, you know, as, as straightforward as I may have wanted it to be. And so, uh, that was perhaps, you know, one of the first times in which I really, you know, was faced with some, some doubt and, and some, uh, and, you know, a true trial and tribulation from the standpoint of, you know, up until that point, every goal or every plan that I set out, you know, it really came to fruition, um, just as easily as I had set the plan. Um, however, this was the first time in which, you know, I had the plan of going to, going to, uh, medical school, but because of my grades and because of my, you know, uh, testing scores, you know, it just didn't happen the way I wanted it to. So I ended up researching different programs as to, uh, where, as to, you know, avenues in which it would take me to my destination of being a doctor. And that took me to, uh, you know, doing a, uh, a math, uh, master's program, uh, joint, uh, going to Indiana university in their, uh, MSMS program, masters, of, masters of science and medical sciences. Uh, in that program, uh, I met, uh, other individuals like myself, um, minorities, as well as, um, some individuals I actually went to college with. And, um, again, it was that situation of the collective, you know, having good positive peer influences, working together for a common goal and common purpose, similar to Xavier. Uh, but now the common goal and purpose is really to, to, you know, to get into med school. And we had all faced some sort of difficulties, um, getting there, but, uh, you know, in this, this situation really provides the opportunity for us to kind of come together and, uh, work together to, to achieve our dreams. And, you know, after that first year, um, I did, you know, I was able to get into the, into IU, uh, school of medicine and, uh, had success my first year. Uh, unfortunately in my second, uh, my second year of med school, um, you know, I faced, uh, another round of, uh, academic, you know, hardship as well as, uh, my parents were going through a divorce and financially, you know, things were, things were tough. Uh, at this point in time, I had, um, uh, to help with finances, I had joined, uh, took the health profession scholarship program, HPSB, and, and basically joined the Navy. And by doing that, um, they paid for three years of medical school. And so financially, I had some support, uh, cause med school, uh, although, although I was an in-state resident, med school is, uh, is expensive. I, and I had some undergrad, uh, student loans. And so what was weighing on my mind was really the financial aspect of, of it all. 
uh, as well as the fact that my parents were going through a divorce and, you know, not being able to uh, support me as much as uh, they had once thought to, uh, to get me through med school. So I joined the Navy. However, um, you know, I was still struggling academically and I ended up having to take a leave of absence. And by far, one of the hardest things that I had to do was, uh, to one, admit that, you know, mentally I just wasn't engaged and I wasn't there uh, in school, thinking about other things, thinking about the pressures of, you know, finances as well as my personal family situation. And two, academically, I just wasn't doing well. So uh, I had to take a leave of absence. Uh, like I said, one of the hardest things that I had to do um, because I had to repeat uh, the whole second year and second year of med schools one of the hardest years in med school. Um, and so um, it was a humbling experience from that standpoint, but yet uh, to have to sit up here and, and meet and see your, your the classmates that you were ahead of, now you're in the same class, um, was uh, was tough. But uh, I got through it. I improved, uh, you know, my my uh, my grades and passed the second year, and then uh, went on to the clinical aspect of, of med school, which was by far uh, some of the best uh, best times of of medical school. Um, it was during those times. Um, that, you know, I really envision myself uh, as being uh, that sort of physician for the month. So, you know, in med school, you go through uh, different clinical rotations and I loved all my clinical rotations. Um, my first clinical rotation was uh, internal medicine. And I went into medicine thinking I was going to do med peds or internal medicine and pediatrics. And I also flirted with the idea of family practice because through high school and uh, I had uh, found mentors, um, you know, uh, some black mentors to help mentor me uh, during my uh, high school years. And so I had shadowed uh, a dermatologist. I had shadowed uh, an internal medicine physician and I had shadowed uh, my parents' family practice doc. So those were the individuals that, you know, that I knew. And, and because of that, uh, I really thought about, you know what, that's what, you know, I want to do. And my dad, who isn't a physician, but always kept his ear to the ground as far as technology, thought, you know what, I should be a cardiologist because the world was going to go towards stents and catheters and minimally invasive stuff. So I should really think about being a cardiologist. So as my clinical rotations came in the third year, um, I really tried to approach and, to, and uh, each clinical rotation as this is what I'm going to be for the next month. So this is what I'm going to be for the next month. I'm an internal medicine doc, so I really try to uh, engage the process and embrace, you know, uh, that field to truly get a sense of what it was like. Uh, however, you know, I really fell in love with, um, with, uh, uh, neurosurgery. And I think I really liked, um, uh, the surgical aspect of, you know, uh, uh, of the field. Um, you know, when I was supposed to be doing neurology, I had the opportunity to do neurosurgery instead of clinical neurology. And that was the first time I got to scrub in on cases. And I just love the whole camaraderie of, of surgery and surgeons in particular. And so um, when it came time for my general surgery rotation, um, I fell in love with it. And, you know, this was something that, uh, you know, I was really leaning towards. And I recall uh, scrubbing in uh, one time before uh, washing my hands and getting ready to do a, uh, a, a transplant, uh, surgery with one of the transplant fellows, basically one of those individuals who had finished the residency, their training in general surgery. Now they're doing their specialty training in, in transplant surgery. 
and uh we're at the scrub sink washing our hands and uh the the fellow asked what do you you know what are you going to go into and i told him you know i'm leaning towards going into uh going into into surgery and he was like you're not going to go into surgery you know you either know it or you don't someone just doesn't lean towards going into surgery and you know succeed and by him, you know, doubting me, it, it brought up all those memories, you know, back in junior high school of, you know, you know, my teachers thinking I couldn't do uh, advanced math. And it was really at that scrub sink that I resigned to the fact that, you know what, I'm going to do surgery. You know, this person is doubting me. And so, you know, I, you know, I do like it. I do enjoy it. So I'm going to I'm going to go into surgery. And, you know, right then, right then and there at the scrub sink, uh, getting ready to do a transplant case, you know, I made the decision of going into surgery. So, um, after that, I, uh, you know, after making that, that firm decision, I looked at, uh, I interviewed at different places, interviewed at the Navy programs and was fortunate enough to, um, get a full deferment from the Navy. Um, basically the Navy said, you know what? Uh, we're going to allow you to, to, to train in the civilian world. That'd be the quickest way for us to, you know, produce you as a general surgeon so that you can join us in, uh, and deploy. Because, uh, at this point in time, uh, you know, 9-11 had occurred, uh, during my second year, which was one of the catalysts for me to join the Navy. And, um, you know, I wanted to do, uh, you know, trauma surgery is what I initially thought. So, um, I, uh, applied and, uh, was able to, to go to my hometown of, uh, Portland, Oregon to do my, uh, general surgery training. Unfortunately, um, I was only able to, when I, uh, matched, um, uh, in surgery, I matched as an undesignated prelim. And, uh, for those of you that, you know, aren't familiar, uh, the match process is, you know, applicants and, uh, try to uh, rank uh, the list of programs that they would like to go to for their residency. And then the residency programs uh, rank their list of applicants that they would like to take. For me, I had ranked uh, both Indiana and Portland, Oregon as high on my list. However, they didn't rank me high enough to give me a full spot, meaning they, uh, Oregon wanted me, but they only wanted me for a year, which meant after that first year, I was going to have to find another place to go. Uh, at the time, I was uh, just dating my future wife. And I figured, Hey, you know, I'd go to Portland for, for a year. And if things don't work out, I'll just, uh, go into the Navy, do my time. And then, you know, kind of figure out things, uh, things from there. But God works, uh, in mysterious ways. And, you know, I went to Portland, Oregon and I worked my tail off. Um, you know, my, uh, my wife, she got pregnant with our daughter and, you know, our daughter was born during my intern year. So that was, you know, difficult to try to manage, you know, uh, a new baby, being a parent, being a father, as well as the fact of, um, really trying to find a, uh, a categorical spot, trying to find a permanent, uh, position for me to go to. And I eventually, uh, I got in as a categorical resident and, uh, finished my, uh, my time there. And, uh, after my time at OHSU, I ended up going to the Navy for two years. And then I decided to go into fellowship, uh, uh, specializing in CT surgery. And, uh, you know, after my cardiothoracic training at the Ohio State University, I uh, came to uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, and I've been on staff here uh, for the past three years. And uh, I deployed to Afghanistan uh, in 2016 to 2017. Uh, my greatest sort of uh, uh, challenge, I'd have to say, was 
you know, the challenges that I discussed uh, in, in medical school and going through that, um, you know, I faced other challenges, you know, as far as racism and things of that nature. But uh, by far the greatest challenge that I personally faced was uh, my time in, in medical school, having to take that leave of absence. My greatest joy has been uh, my patients. And, you know, after you finish an operation and, you know, and you see patients do well, um, that by far is the greatest joy. And it's really the culmination of all the hard work come together um, and really feeling as if you are um, uh, a, a tool of, of God. I mean, I feel so blessed um, to be fortunate uh, enough to do what I do um, because I feel it's it's been a calling that God has uh, put me on this path and this direction uh to do uh to do the lord's work and healing someone is a uh, is spiritual it's emotional and the hard work that goes into it and to see patients do well is a uh, is great um and it truly does uh make it all all worth it uh for those of of you out there that are on the road um uh, my biggest uh pieces of advice are first and foremost you have to have faith uh faith in you know, uh, a higher power, you know, faith in God, uh, but a faith in yourself uh, is important because there are going to be moments in which you doubt yourself in which people doubt you. But having faith uh, in, in your in who you are and in your dreams uh, is important. Uh, mentorship is key. It's important to have mentors. And I've had a mentor every step along the way. I have mentors even to this day uh, that I go to for advice and guidance on 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 how I should on how I should be where I should be and and basically when I come to a crossroads it's it's important for me to lean on my mentors to to really get a course correction sometimes um you have to be able to persevere there's going to be trials and tribulations that come in your path um and no one gets to the point of of finding success in whatever field they choose without having to persevere and so perseverance is very key and it's important to prepare uh, preparation is, is is important, and uh, without preparation and planning, um, you'll be uh, doomed to just go with the flow, and that's definitely not any sort of recipe for success. But um, uh, having a plan and preparing uh, is important. So faith, mentorship, uh, perseverance, and, pre- and preparation are the keys to advice. And, and with that, I bid you all farewell, and uh, hope that you've enjoyed this uh, podcast. Thank you, and have a nice day. Faith, mentorship, perseverance, and preparation. Faith, mentorship, perseverance, and preparation. Those are Dr. Noble's four key things for success. I'm going to say them one more time because I think they're so important. I love the way he put all, of them, all four of them together because not just one of them, but he's saying all four of these things. Faith, mentorship, perseverance, and preparation. Remember those things. Those are going to be essential to success. And when you go back and you look at Dr. Noble's story, starting from a young age at his grandparents' house to when he read the book Gifted Hands to when he did the master's program through all of it till he joined the Navy to this very day he's at, you can see those things intertwined in his story. So as you're working towards your goal for the students who want to become medical doctors or for the parents who are listening, who are trying to do great on your own career, whatever it is, remember those things, faith, mentorship perseverance, preparation. I can vouch for all those things. Okay. I, I wouldn't have put it together as eloquently as Dr. Noble did. But when I think back about my career and my path to where I'm at, it's the same things I've relied on. And I believe it's the same thing that everybody who becomes extremely successful, what they do rely on. So Dr. Noble salute to you, sir. 
Thank you for serving our country. Thank you for being a uh, black men in white coats. And just thank you for taking the time to do this podcast. It means a lot to me personally, but it also means a lot to all of our listeners who are going to grow from this and have a leg up. You never know. Maybe one of these students listening will say, hey, I'm going to consider the route of the Navy now. And that might take off tons of uh, difficulties and a relieve burden from their life as they pursue careers in medicine. So thank you for taking this time to do that. Really appreciate it. Again, we salute you. And to all of our listeners, remember, check out Dr. Noble's worksheet, www.blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets and have your kids, your students or you do the worksheet. A lot of great information to be learned from that. Subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast and check out blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash summit to learn about the summit that's going to be taking place February 16th, 2019 in Dallas, Texas. Thank you guys so very much for being supporters of Black Men and White Coats and listening to this podcast. We love you, and I will see you next week. Yeah.